And now, The Low Post. Welcome to the final Low Post podcast of this year, 2020. And I'm just going to drop the S-bomb right off the bat because 2020 was that bad. But we're going to wrap it up on a strong note because friend of the program, Brian Windhorst, has a great piece today on the James Harden trade landscape, the simmering hovering, burbling story of the 2020-21 NBA season. It has everything. It's got, I, I feel like uh, Stefan from Saturday Night Live. It has everything. Strip clubs, beards, COVID <laughs> protocol breakage, an NBA superstar. Uh, and and it's going to define the season in some ways. Uh, Mr. Windhorse, how are you this morning? Happy New Year. You too, Zach. Um, I'm fine. I'm in my house. That's, that's where we cover the NBA from now. I don't know if you heard. I've spent a lot of time. A lot of time. Isn't it funny to see all the commercials that are trying to exploit the fact that you're at home all the time now? Like shady loan companies, home goods companies. <laughs> Everyone's getting in on you're at home a lot. Buy our stuff. We're trying to scam you. Um, well, they can't fool me. Anyway, um, so lay out the thesis of your James Harden piece right off the top. What inspired you to write this piece? I mean, this is the story of the season, but why today? Why now? And what is your thesis? Because watching the season a couple of uh, weeks or whatever it is, 10 days, I don't even know how long it's been. It's very clear to me that there are maybe, so the Lakers and Clippers, I think, are at the top. And the Bucks, I think, want to think of themselves at number three. The jury, to me, is still out on that. But then from like team two and a half or three to about team 14, there's not that much difference in, in these teams. There's just not. Um, you know, health will make a difference. Um, and even after that, when teams like 15 through 17, there's t- those teams all probably think they're in that top 14. I have, I really don't remember a year where there's been such a conglomeration of all these teams stuck together. And a bunch of these teams have skin in the game for this year. There's expectations for them to do things because of contracts, because of players on their team, because of, um, where their coach and GM cycles are. And when I look at that, I just, my experience tells me that there's going to be increasing pressure as the season goes along for teams to leap out of that pack. And the way to do it is out there. It's hardened. And the hardened trade market is muddled. The Rockets can't get what they want. Somebody is going to step forward. Is my I actually think there's probably going to be several teams who come to this. But some teams are going to step forward, and they're going to talk themselves into it. And, um, you know, in this piece, I, I talk about the Raptors' decision to trade for Kawhi Leonard. Um, and uh, it's kind of a similar situation. There's a bunch of teams who are in the same boat that the Raptors were when they traded for Kawhi. They... They're good, but not great. Including maybe and the Raptors. I actually think that the Raptors are the classic case of the Raptors. The Raptors are almost in the same spot that they were two years ago. They have good players. They're a good team. Um, you know, I, I said this in the piece. There, there's probably seven teams in the Eastern Conference who could get the whiteboard out and convince themselves that they're getting to the conference finals. And I, I'm not talking anybody out of that. Um, and, but obviously that's not happening. And mathematically three of them aren't even making the second round. And depending on how things go more than that may not make the second round. And so when you live in that world, the, the way to leap forward is to, you know, there is a superstar available and, um, it's going to be a pricey thing, but I could see some people doing it. And I, I actually think the Raptors are a strong candidate to do this again, whether or not they could execute it, whether or not they could bring themselves to it. Um, the one thing that I would just say about the Raptors that's so interesting, Masai is unsigned uh, going forward. It is still a very murky reason as to why he is unsigned, whether it's his choice or the Raptors' choice. It's, it's, I, don't, I wish I had more information. I don't. And if, and if you're going to trade for James Harden, you're probably going to have to give multiple – lightly protected or unprotected future first round picks. And if I was Raptors ownership, I would say, well, if you want to trade for James Harden, let's figure out who's running this team when these picks are being traded. But um, I actually think the Raptors are a, are a strong candidate to do it again. And um, 
And there, but there's others out there. You know, I, I could make a case for five or six different teams, some of which I know have talked to the Rockets, some of which I don't know. But I could make a case, and I'm, I think in the front offices right now, that is something that's being mulled over. And it, it, and it would be strange to, to, to make it. It's very unusual for a trade like this to happen early in a season. Um, but this is a strange season. So I think the door is open. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it'll happen in the next 12 hours or anything. But I think sooner rather than later, we're going to see a blockbuster move because of these this set of circumstances that's out there. Remember the Seinfeld episode where George Costanza preemptively broke up with his girlfriend in order to get the upper hand in their relationship? Yeah. Do you think Seinfeld still flies to Seinfeld references? Uh, I don't, ca- I don't care, Brian. Right. I don't care. Okay. It's on TV all the time, so I'm assuming it does. Masai Ujiri, in a league where everyone is afraid to get fired, Masai Ujiri is one of the only guys who I could see being enough of a badass and having enough leverage after taking this woebegone franchise to the championship to have all the hand that George Costanza has when he preemptively breaks up with his girlfriend and <laughs> throws hand. about it. I've got, got hands. Yeah. But it doesn't work out for George in the end because nothing ever works out for George. It, right. it, it, it did work out for Masai, though. It could work out for Masai. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount. Everyone loves that. And more. They're the only ticket company in the game. That rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you, that's you, $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code LOW. That's code LOW, L-O-W-E, my last name, the name of this podcast. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus. Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Um, so let's let's just so so interestingly, you just said something very relevant that I think it's so obvious that people don't that people talk around it but forget it sometimes, and that, that this and that's that this is a very strange season. So we have Teams that have had a like nine month layoff and teams that have had a two month layoff. We have guys missing games left and right for rest on back to backs for COVID protocol caution. Um, we have a home court advantage that may or may not mean anything anymore, particularly with teams playing these baseball uh, style series. And so already the tendency to take a five game stretch, particularly early in the season and try to draw meaning from it is a faulty and flawed exercise in a lot of cases, even more so this season. It's just going to be a crazy season. I I, I don't even know. I, I there are going to be results. We've already seen all the blowouts and people. What what's going on with all the balls? I, I there are going to be results that are going to be difficult to interpret. So you want to look at the James Harden landscape and say, well, Toronto's zero and three. Oh my God. Okay, well. That's not. Yeah, but that's not why I think. I mean, I don't think they're looking at because they're zero and three. No. I think they're looking at it like let's look at our team and see where I'm we. I'm not saying are. you are, but I'm saying like Denver's one and three, right? Uh, on the right. flip side, if Philly, Philly's three and one, they look okay and their schedule hasn't been great. But if Philly is fifteen and two, does that impact their thinking on whether Ben Simmons for James Harden is something they want to do? So it will matter at some point, but all the like, you, it's tempting to look at these teams in the Harden on the fringes of the Harden rumor mill and say, well, they're not off to great starts. And so we can go through the teams, right? I mean, Toronto, uh, you just mentioned them. Brooklyn, his preferred destination, three and two, one of the losses with, with two of the stars sitting out. Did you see that Brooklyn-Atlanta game last night? Yeah, yeah. That was like the all-star game. It was just yeah. dudes were just running up the court and jacking threes and they were going in. Yeah, um, and uh, – I. <laughs> The Brooklyn's defense, whether Brooklyn will play defense, and I know that like you say this, and and the Nets fans are like, no, no, we are playing defense, we really are, and I'm like, well, you're, you're not really, you're not. Um, Brooklyn's defensive ability has a chance, to, other than the health of those guys, Brooklyn's ability to defend will, in a lot of ways, define the season. And I see that game, and hey, I mean, it was fun. Um, it it's you know like you know I would say the same. Atlanta is actually kind of a junior Brooklyn. The way they play and the, sort of their makeup of their team, which is very deep. A lot of offensive players are kind of a junior Brooklyn. Um, 
that's a fun game to watch. I loved watching the game, 145-141. I actually stopped loving it somewhere in the middle of the third quarter where I just, like, and to their credit, they were, like, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish were making these pull-up threes off the dribble, like, in isolation. DeAndre Hunter is looking much better. Those two guys really, so, so Brooklyn dropped from second to fifth in defense based on one game. Uh, their defense has been okay. Has been good. They're fifth so far. Yeah, no, if they're if they're fifth in two months, that, they're going to be on pace to win fifty six games. But I, I I don't know if they will be. I I just want to see. I do think Atlanta's offense, which is currently number one in the league with a bullet, uh, is legitimate. I think that's going that team is going to be a huge problem to guard all year long for everybody. And their defense, oh, which is twenty well, sixth, is going to be or twenty seventh is going to be the thing that defines their season. This this Trey Young, uh you you're you're good at this. You need a nickname for the Trey Young uh st- where he's just starts dribbling and then just stops, lets the guy run over him. Well, it's And he's it, getting to the line 15 times a game. That is going guys are going to get uh ejected. So, Coaches are going to get ejected for this. So it's really the airborne Chris Paul, right? Like Chris Paul has been the master of this bringing the ball up the floor and he sees somebody behind him and he veers sideways and stops and the guy runs into him and gets called for a foul. Trey Young is the he'll go around a pick, get into the lane, jump to shoot, stick his butt out. And he's almost like if if he had Kyle Lowry's butt he would be knocking dudes like 10 feet backwards, but he's, he's just right. hitting people with his butt and guys are falling over and he's getting a foul call. It's ridiculous, but their offense. Well, he's legit. coming, ar- he's coming around a screen. So he, he knows that he's out, he's got separation because guys are going over the top of screens. Cause you can't go under on Trey young. So they're going over the top of screens. So he knows he's got the guy on his hip or behind him and he just stops. He just stops dribbling whether or not he, he actually has any intention of pulling up a shot there. He just stops dribbling. And, um, it's it's a devastatingly effective tool to get to the line right now. We'll, I mean, uh, we'll see how long it it lasts because teams are gonna teams are already catching on. But it's it's a hell of a it's a hell of a trick to pull out of the bag in his third season. He's figuring out this stuff. All right, so Brooklyn's three and two, looking pretty good. Philly's three and one, whatever. Boston's three and two has pulled out a tough win against Indiana and then beat the remnants of the Grizzlies last night. Sort of stabilized themselves. Would would you? How many players in the league right now would you trade Jalen Brown for? Well, we're going to talk about this. Don't spoil our Boston discussion right. because Jalen right. Brown is balling out. Um, Miami is the other interesting one. It's a little scuffling. Got a big win last night over Milwaukee after getting drubbed. So they're two and two. Uh, and Denver one and three. We mentioned Milwaukee. You reported they're out that they broached it in there out and given the um, public, I don't know. They, I don't know how they trade for him anyway, but well, but you know, given the but, public, but, but, sniping but, but, between, but they did have a conversation like, Hey, should we, Giannis, what do you think about James? Are you interested there? And Giannis was like, uh, from what I hear, Giannis was like, you remember last year at the all-star game? You, you, this is what people said when the bucks were mentioned as a, um, as a possible place that you hard would want to play. People like just fans were like, "Don't you remember what what Giannis said last year at the All Star Draft? I want to play with guys who pass." And from, from what I understand, that's pretty much how the the real conversation went. Well, there's been Giannis- public sniping between the two of them, um, right? Right. But I think you know, this is what you do in the NBA. Um, you do due diligence. You know, a player becomes available. You say, "What do you think about this?" You have the conversation. Sometimes the conversation lasts ten seconds. Sometimes it lasts ten minutes. Sometimes it lasts ten days. But and then you have some wildcard teams like Portland. Portland can't really trade a pick effectively right now, so I, I don't really see anything there. They're on James' list. I do think I do think Portland is a candidate to make a a, a significant in season trade because they have a bunch of guys on rookie contracts that are interesting, and they have Gary Trent, who I think is a valuable, interesting player. I just don't think they can make. A James Harden trade. Well, the Zach Collins thing, uh, another surgery yesterday. That that, that kills him. Cursed. And and again, Cursed. they owe this pick to the Rockets. That's lottery protected through I think twenty twenty seven. And I checked with the czar of the cap, the czar of the cap, Bobby Marks, and they they can kind of trade a first round pick, but not really right now. So there, I, I don't see it. Uh, we can talk about um, a couple of sort of Cinderella teams, but I don't really think it's relevant. Let's go back to the Kawhi thing. Toronto gets Kawhi for. DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, and what becomes the 29th pick in the draft. Kawhi was entering the last year of his contract. Off a terrible injury. Off, a, off an injury which cost him almost all of the previous season. 
everybody in the world knew LA, LA, LA. He was going to try to get to LA one way or another. And so, you know, you look at the return. I looked at every <coughs> superstar trade or borderline superstar trade from the last 10 years. And the returns are all over the place. And you right. realize that all of these deals, there are some patterns here and there. Like, I do think the market has gotten a little more rational in, in how draft picks are traded and, and protected in particular. But you look at all these deals and they're really just every deal is its own thing. So Kawhi, Toronto is the only team that had like nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing. They were done with the DeMar era anyway. They were ready to move on. They had Yet Masai got raked a little bit for it by his own dudes. Like like Kyle Lowry went to Team USA training camp. I was there and literally avoided the media for three days because he didn't want to talk about it. Well, look, he had nothing to lose in terms of that team had run its course. Jakob Pertl's a good player, nice prospect. The 29th pick is what it is. All the other teams had something much more tangible to lose. Jalen Brown, you just mentioned, would have been the main trade ship for Boston. Well, if you trade him, that hurts. That's a 22-year-old at the time or whatever he was who's on an all-star trajectory and you knew it then and it's very clear now. That hurts. DeMar DeRozan at age 30 or whatever, it doesn't hurt. And, and and it hurts, but they won the championship. Maybe Boston would have won. Maybe, but this but this is my point. People want to make these decisions out to be really easy decisions. Like James Harden is James Harden. No, of course right. the Heat should trade Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, two first round picks, a swap, and everything that they possibly need to trade to get right. James Harden. And like if you don't win, the only thing that you can really control in the NBA. And, and the, the illusion of control, the feeling of control is such a comfort blanket for general managers and teams. The only thing you can really truly control is your draft picks. That's your future. Right. That's your, you can't control injuries. You can only kind of control culture. You can't control where the shots go in and out. But as long as you have those draft picks and you control them, you have a security blanket against the vicissitudes of luck and injuries and one player deciding he hates another player on your team and a coach falling out with the player and all you've at least got that when you lose that I don't care if you lose it for James Harden it's still scary because you might not win the Raptors almost didn't win there's no guarantee that you're going to get there and win there's no guarantee that the rest of your roster around James Harden is going to stay healthy and if you don't win if you just lose in the second round twice and he leaves and your whole future is gone that sucks and that hurts. And now you're just vulnerable to walking in the wilderness at the whims of the NBA with without control of your own picks. It hurts. These aren't easy decisions as good as James Harden is, period. But the Kawhi decision for Toronto was an easy decision. By all accounts, including yours and from what I've heard, Houston looks at what Toronto got for Kawhi and says, well, we're, we're playing a different game than that. That's true. It's not the same trade we're, we're, at all. We're playing a different game. We, our guy's got two years left on his contract. He's never hurt. Might be in strip clubs now. Nemby's never hurt. Plays every game. I, uh, you know, he's he's James Harden, and we want the Anthony Davis price. We just saw right. Drew Holiday, who's a vat, who's an inferior player, and it's not close. Fetch not just three picks and two swaps, but two quality players in Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. Um. We know what the Boston-Brooklyn bonanza return was all those years ago. We know what the Paul George-Kawhi Leonard bonanza return was two years ago. Now, that's not an unf a, a truly fair comparison because that was really trading for two players. Um, and, and so that's the price for all your teams in the middle class, and we'll talk about all of them, that, that you think or others think should get in. Well, that's the price that Houston wants. Maybe that's not the price that Houston, with maybe one team accepted, and we can get to that team later. Maybe that's not the price Houston gets, but you are talking about a big, big price because this is, when you look at how these trades go down, the big bonanza bounties of draft picks and swaps come when mostly either through a combination of complete desperation or that's the Bucks. Or of a, a knowledge to the point that it's almost a guarantee that the guy you're trading for is staying for a long time. And that's Anthony Davis and that's Paul George and maybe Kawhi. Um, and, you know, I, it's, it's, not, it's not apples to apples. So that's the price you're going to pay. It's a hard price to pay. 
pick a team that you think is interesting you want to start with, and we can sort of knock around the case for for and against them doing it. So I think um, you look at a team like Denver. Now, I'm not sure how James Harden would fit um, with Jamal Murray and Jokic and the way they play. But this is a classic team that I'm talking about. If you're the Denver Nuggets, you look at your team and you say, we got a good team. We got a really good team. Do we have a great team? I think if you're being honest, the answer is no, they do not have a great team. They do not have a team that that, that I can that that you know that you would feel good about beating both LA teams. They made it to the conference finals last year. Um, it was a bit of a wing and a prayer, but they made it. But they are not a great team. And so you have Michael Porter Jr. there, and you say, well, man, he is just really special. You know, he could be all this. But if you're Tim Connolly, you look at yourself and you, and you say, do we want to try to win this championship or do we just want to remain a good team? And they're a team that, to me, fits classically in this situation where they would, you know, have to say, do we want to try to emerge out of this or do we want to stay here and just hope for the best? Um, and uh, I'm sure it's a conversation that's been had many times. I'm sure that they've turned this over in their heads a lot and talked about it a lot. And, uh, you know, I know that they've had discussions for, uh, you know, with Houston. I don't know how, it, you know, if it's just touching base or whatever. But, you know, that, you know, and, and Portland, too, even though Portland, I, again, I don't think they, they necessarily can get it done. Again, Portland has a good team. They do not have a great team. Dame Willard wants a great team. You know, how how long are you going to ride this? This exact, you know, compliment. You know, it's this is what I'm talking about. This is the group. Um, and even Philadelphia. Does Daryl Morey honestly believe that that getting James Harden would not be an upgrade over Ben Simmons? Of He absolutely believes getting Harden would be an upgrade. And that's why he's trying to do it. He knows he's got a good team. He doesn't know if he's got a great team. You know, this is just the way I feel where the league is right now. And like Masai did, I think someone's going to talk themselves into saying, we got to do this to be a great team to try to win this thing. Well, okay, let's take two teams and start there. Number one, let's just talk about the obvious thing first. Hovering over all this, we can go the machinations, the offers, the picks, the swaps, whatever. Hovering over all of that is the very simple reality that if you get to go time and Ben Simmons for James Harden is on the table, that's the easiest deal. It's the simplest deal. It might be the single, it is, depending on a number of variables, it may be the best asset, the best player, the best asset plus player plus whatever Houston can get. The two teams today can argue over, you should have to attach picks. No, you should have to attach picks. No, we want P.J. Tucker. Well, you don't get P.J. Tucker. We want blah, blah, blah. You can argue all about that. And argue, argue, argue. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. I don't know what kind of arguments are happening. I would suspect that those arguments will happen at some point. If it gets down to it and that deal's on the table, maybe the whole thing just ends there. And and in my gut, in my gut, no matter what Daryl Morey says today, and he's already said publicly, I'm not trading Ben Simmons. He said the same thing about he Chris Paul. No, we, we, no, we, no, we got no it. No credibility. We got it. No credibility. Um, I think if that deal's on the table, this is just my gut. I think Philly's doing that deal and saying, now that leaves a whole lot of heavy lifting for Joel Embiid to do on defense because you're taking another first team all defense guy and exchanging him for a top three offensive player who sometimes slips into temporary comas on defense. So Joel's got oh a lot God. of work to do. And ask Rudy Gobert how fun it is when your team is like, you're a great defensive player. We're getting all offensive players around you. Have fun. It's not that fun. But if that deal's on the table, maybe this whole conversation is just moot and overcomplicated. Denver, I'm glad you brought up. Because for Denver, more than any other team, the Harden thing is almost an existential question. It's we have an identity and a style that is and an ethos that is fun, that plays through Jokic, that banks on the chemistry of the Murray-Jokic two-man game. Um, 
It's a style we've leaned into. Our fans like it. We've gotten very far playing it. Are we really willing to turn over everything to James Harden? Now, you could say Harden and Jokic, that's a hell of a pick-and-roll combination. Already, you, you give James Harden Christian Wood, and he's not just ISOing at the top of the arc 50 times a game. He's going back into James Harden pick-and-roll mode. Maybe it works. It's a, Again, it's a lot like what Toronto had. Like, Tor- like Toronto had a nice team. They made a conference finals, you know? They were a regular playoff team. DeMar and uh, Kyle were good together. You know, I mean, Denver is better than the Raptors ever were. But then they were able to make that trade, and they didn't have to include Ananobi, and they didn't have to include Siakam, and they didn't have to include Kyle Lowry. Um, you could, you they could were have, able you to have Millsap, Jermichael Green, Monty Morris. I mean, maybe one or two, one of these guys goes, P.J. Dozier, Campazzo. Like, you could have a real team Maybe thin on the wing, right? If you're giving up both Porter and one of the Harris-Barton salaries, you could be thin on the wing. That's a little dangerous. But you have the three stars at the top and and at least a, a workable playoff eight-man rotation. That, you know, and this is what I'm saying. Like, And now you become a team that, like, good. I mean, beat us four out of seven. Try to beat us four out of seven. I mean, that's... You know, and and this is this and look, I mean, I could even like you could even go farther down the list. You could look at it, you you know, you could look at a team like I've not heard that them at all, but like you could look at a team like Orlando. I I, I Orlando I, I have no Orla- words for this. I can't believe someone other than me and Kevin Clark brought up the Orlando Magic voluntarily on the low post podcast. This is a big moment. Like Orlando could Orlando could make an offer for Harden. Orlando, yeah, they're 4-0 as we speak in this pod. They're going to end up fighting for the 7 or 8 seed. They're going to probably have to play in the play-in tournament. Orlando could do it. Of course, any Orlando, any I mean, team that's willing to put all the picks in and all the swaps in. How's Orlando's high drafting working out for them? How's Jeff Weltman's Mid-lottery drafting working out. Is that building a contender? Uh, the Bamba pick doesn't look like it's working out. Cole Anthony looks pretty good. But, yes, to your point, I mean, you know, it, it was really in the era of, of Hennigan where they just – and through if you look at their draft record, it's really they picked the right guy for where they were picking, but Oladipo, Gordon, et cetera. Isaac has a chance to be, you know, a defensive player of the year kind of player and an okay offensive player, but he's injured. Well, you know, Isaac wouldn't be in the deal, but, you know, you keep Isaac, but – Everybody else is available, as far as I'm concerned. If you want three firsts, let's let's do it. I mean, when's Orlando getting a James Harden? But this is the point. Okay, so Denver, if you trade for James Harden, let's if you trade for James Harden, he's got two years left on his contract. You talk to all these GMs. No one is really that concerned about. Oh my God, we got to resign him. Is he going to opt out of that player option in his third year? But. It's, it's a deal that you make for two years of championship equity. That's the concern. What comes next, we'll see. We'll see how he ages. We'll see how he looks. We'll see what the money situation is, blah, blah, blah. We'll see how many years he wants the whole thing. No one seems particularly concerned about that. It's a two-year window. So if you're going to trade for him under that mindset, you have to have a team left over that can win the championship. Orlando would not have a team left over that can win the championship. Denver might have a team left over that can win the championship. Philadelphia might have a team left over that can win the championship. Might. And that's where sort of we can get into Toronto and Boston and Brooklyn and some of the other interesting teams. That, you know what, What's left in the cupboard? So Toronto, let's pivot to Toronto. Let's say it's Siakam and all the picks. And maybe it's more. I'm sure Houston will say, well, give us Ananobi and Siakam, in which case Masai hangs up and, you know, right. says, I have hand. I don't need to do this. Um <laughs> Right. It's Siakam and all the picks. And so you've They probably would they probably would want the guy that just drafted Malachi Flynn. Yeah, I'm sure there's other stuff. There's gonna be other stuff. It's but uh, in terms of known commodities that can help your team win right now. That can help you we, win we, the we championship. Use, when you say all the picks, let, let's 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 be serious though. Three three first unprotected and the two swaps in between. All right. I I, I think you could probably negotiate that down a little bit but you're probably looking at at least two unprotected hey look yes. pascal i love pascal been driving the bandwagon for like four years now the bandwagon has blown a tire 
It's on the side of the road. <laughs> we 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 exchanged we exchanged bandwagons after the bubble, hoping to juice up the bandwagon again. It's off to a slow start. Um, so it's not going great. So you're left with in this theoretical scenario, you're left with Harden, Van Vliet, Lowry, Anunobi, Baines, Boucher, Terrence Davis. Is that enough? And you, and your three best players, depending on where you rank Anunobi, are all guards in Harden, Van Vliet, and Lowry. Is that a cha- yeah, is yeah, that a championship team? Is that a can you win the? T- are you confident enough I, that you can win the title in two years to do that? Maybe it's pretty damn I, good. I mean, it's not bad. Uh, I mean, I would ask for I would try to get PJ if I'm giving three first. I'd want PJ Tucker. Okay, so you bring, you bring him in because um, you you know they're they'd be thin at forward. Uh, PJ was there before the, this, they tried to resign. These are really hard decisions like you have to yeah look but i'm th- saying like like you look at the lay of the land in the eastern conference and you know you've got a great coach um and you also know that if it goes sideways and you have to rebuild you you, you still have ananobi and van vliet that you've got locked in you know which you could you know i mean even if it goes sideways with harden you could retrade harden in a year it's it true. wouldn't be for the it's same good, price that's a good point um, but like, again, t- tell me who's winning the East. Who's winning the East? I think, Do you know, I don't know. My top, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's up for grabs. And this is why your article is, is spot on because I, I, I've said from the beginning, you hear a lot of poo-pooing of James Harden around the league. Oh, he's a bad culture guy. I don't know how he's going to age. I don't trust him. Oh, is he working out over? Is he going to play normal basketball or is he going to play James ball? And I think. There will be teams, circumstantially, maybe they get off to slow starts, whatever, who sort of smack themselves in the face and say, wait a second, it's James Harden. Like, it's it's still, yeah. we can quibble about all these other things. It's still James Harden. If we get him for two years and we have a decent team around him, well, we're on to something. Like, it's, James, it's James Harden. You can't just poo-poo a guy who finishes in the top three in the MVP every year, even if he's had some ugly, ugly, ugly... U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, playoff meltdowns, <laughs> like three yeah. two of 11 games in the playoffs. That's hard to do. Um, you can't, you just can't poo-poo that. So I like that Toronto nucleus for two seasons. It's interesting. But again, like it's, it's not like you look at that team and say they're the no brainer favorites in the Eastern conference. I agree, but I don't think the Raptors are getting there with that with this roster right now. I don't think they're getting there. And Masai is not in that game anymore. Masai, Masai doesn't mess around. No, I agree. I agree with you. Once you taste it, once you taste it, have an acute 48 win team, once you taste it and you have confidence in your ability to, to, to draft, like, like, you know, again, look at Pat Riley, Riley, you know, he had a little bit of a lull in the in the middle part of that this last decade after LeBron left, where they took leave of their senses. But if you look at Riley, Riley's like, I am teeing the ball up and I am swinging for the fence. Okay, and, so let's talk about Riley. And this right is now. what I'm going to do. Let's talk about it now. Let's talk about it now. Miami, you reported it. The Herald reported it. Miami stepped out. Said yeah. There are one. I don't know what they said. I was going to make a South Beach joke. They're too obvious. Enough South Beach jokes. I love South Beach. I miss Miami so much. Um, I, you know, I, you reported it. Do you believe? Can I ask you why do you think the Heat want? What What was the motive for the Heat? To it was essentially a statement from Riley. So what? And I don't know the answer to this. But what in you? And I. But I've thought about it. Why would the Heat make it known publicly that they're out? What is their motive? Well, I have two answers to that. Well, it could be any number of things. It could be, it could be comforting their own players. It could be that's the easy answer. Could be sending a message to Harden. Do you think? Do you think Riley cares about comforting his players? I don't know. It could be sending a message to Harden. Stop violating the COVID protocols and all that. Um. It could be, could be any number of things. What did you think it was? So I thought I, I initially thought he was comforting his players because I you know they're young, you know Hero and Robinson. I think he probably wanted them calm down. But then I was talking to a an executive and he was like, Nah, Riley doesn't care about that. 
he thought Riley did it because he didn't. He's trying to prevent one of his rivals from from thinking they're they're bidding with him. That's interesting. Um, which actually was the germ of this story. Which you know, I think that story was ten days ago. When the story that I wrote today was was that was the germ. And I was talking to executives like, no, he just doesn't. He didn't want Philly and Boston to keep going hard after him, thinking he might get him. He wants to he wants to cool the race. So so to your point. You're not out until you're out. And I don't believe that Miami is actually out out. I believe that Well Miami Miami can make the trade, right? I, I, and, and, they, and, they have I, and I don't believe that they've had a meeting. I don't think they're would be like psyched about it. They like their team. They like their young players. They just made the finals. They love the style of play. They know that um asking James Harden to adapt to put on your knee pads and practice for three hours after a loss uh is going to be an adjustment. Um, I just don't believe they're out, out, we're out, we're never talking again. If they, I just don't believe it um, because that's just not how these things work. If they're eight and 12, I, 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 you know, I think the world changes. That said, so here's, here's the trade. <clears throat> Hero, Robinson, you're not holding on to Robinson. Sorry, Heat fans, you're not doing it. Hero, Robinson, Two firsts, which they can trade, according to Bobby Marks, if they lift the protections on another first, which is complicated. But let's just say two firsts, a swap, and some money. Now, what the money is really matters because if you're trying to win the championship, it's better for you if the money is Mo Harkless and Myers Leonard than it is if it's Andre Iguodala and or Goran Dragic. Let's just say they get the money to be what they want. So your hero's gone. The Heat think hero can be Devin Booker. He's gone. The Heat think Duncan Robinson can be J.J. Redick. He's gone. Guys that you could have under control for years and years and years. Guys and heroes like 20 or something absurd like that. Robinson is a little older. You're left with Harden, Butler, Bam. Let's say Iguodala and Dragic. Let's say they get lucky. Iguodala They're not Dragic. trading Dragic, man. Dragic, well, he's a Heat guy. Dragic won him the game last night. Oh, yeah. He, uh, Iguodala, Dragic, Bradley, Olenek, maybe Harkless, none. Like... That's the you know that depth is going to get old fast. There's the depth is is not going to be there for a while. But for one year, maybe two. Harden, Butler, Bam, and again three or four other decent players. I'm not excited about facing that team. That's a pretty let damn me, good let, team. Let me say two things. One, Jimmy Butler is older, so your your time clock is really on Butler. Now, Jimmy is in great shape. He does get injuries from time to time, but you know, I'm not saying that the clock is pounding, but you know, keep that in mind. Butler is your, is your sort of your, your window and two years with Harden, two years with Butler, that's going to be pretty good. Secondly, like if there's a guy to keep James Harden in check, it's Butler. And, and bam, bam will knock his ass over in practice. Bam is I love Bam. By the way, if I was Houston, I'd I'd, I'd want uh, I'd want this guy they just drafted too. I would I would. Oh, keep oh, by the way, he may be in the trade. Precious Chua, you might again. Yeah. It could be Hero Robinson. I, I forgot to mention him. Great point. Hero Robinson and yeah. Chua could be all three of those guys. Yeah, but anyway. In which case, by the um, way, to your point, these are all. If a Chua was in, then if I'm Miami, I'm saying, okay, I'm giving you the salary filler that works better for me. If I'm giving you a Chua in addition to these yeah, two great players, you're, 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 yeah, getting you're getting Leonard. You're getting these kind of players. You're getting Olenek or, you know, or Leonard, yeah. So here's what I'm going to say. What people have – what people have, first off, Pat Riley, Pat Riley is 75, 76. <laughs> He's not worried about the 2027 first-round pick. He, he wasn't worried about the 2021 first-round pick when he traded Dragic or whatever it was for Dragic, all right? That's number one. Number two, people have said to me, and I agree with this sentiment on its face, which is that, well, if you watch the way the Heat play – they share the basketball beautifully. They have a wonderful team concept. Eric Spolstra has put in this great style, and that is not how James Harden plays. I agree. However, I'm going to tell you that I don't think in my 18 years covering the NBA I've ever seen a coach who is better at making adjustments to his roster and adjustments to his style of play during the season as Eric Spolstra. Uh, I have – no one calls him this, but he's – to me, my, a perfect nickname for Spolster would be the mechanic. He doesn't look like a mechanic. It's a bad analogy. But 
Eric Spolstra from the start of every season to the end, nobody gets under the hood and changes his how he plays and his lineups and his rotations and his styles and everything like Spolstra. And the ultimate is, tribute to that is the year that they went 11 and 30 and then 30 and 11 with the with right. the Island of Misfit Toys team and he figured out an identity for that team to play. Eric Spolstra and Nick Nurse are brilliant at managing situ- uh, Nurse is a little bit more radical. By the way, you know who Nate Bjorkren in uh, in Indy is taking some nurse stuff. Box and one. Box and one. <laughs> he ran a yeah. box and one the other day. Who was it? Was it yeah. against Boston? It was against Tatum, I think. I think it was a box and yeah. one against Tatum. And, and he said they never practiced it. Uh, other players said they he never also, practiced it. The Sabonis, which I think it was the Boston game. The Sabonis game-winning shot was a keeper play that they ran for Valanciunas in Toronto to much, to much, uh, to much triumphal, you know, hoorays. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, Nurse, Nurse is. Uh, I know uh, Nurse is a little red-faced these days. He's angry at officials. He's off to a bad start. But Nurse, <laughs> Nurse has got a little, got a little coaching uh, sapling going on over there in Indiana. Anyway, I think that Spolstra. If you're gonna if you're gonna give a guy a situation like this, Spolstra is the guy to give it to, and I um, and I just Riley will find other Tyler heroes. He will find other Duncan Robinsons. This is what they do. Um, it's hard to find James Hardens, and uh, I don't know if not the if, I don't know if, if you know which, not if you know which clubs to look in. <laughs> I don't know if uh, I don't know if. I don't know if Miami is going to be there in time to do it. And they've obviously, they had their reasons for pulling out of this, of this thing, but this is the guy who, you know, traded for Shaq mid season. They're also off to, I guess it was off. I guess it was, he traded Shaq away at mid season traded for Shaq. I mean, you know, don't ever forget that they're off. They're also off to a strange start. I, I think, I think their, their lineup situation is worth monitoring. They clearly have decided either because Hero wants it or he deserves it or both, that Tyler Hero is a starter now in the NBA period. And they want to start Duncan Robinson. They obviously have to start Jimmy Butler. And so the result has been Goran Dragic is coming off the bench and Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler and Bam are all sort of splitting point guard duties because they barely played last year. Um, uh, Robinson, Dragic, Hero, and Butler together with Butler at the four, right? That's If you want to start Dragic and keep those other guards in the starting lineup. Jimmy Butler has to play the four. They didn't do that very much in the regular season or the playoffs, and the result so far has been a pretty scattershot offense. They lead the league in turnovers by a lot, and then Dragic— Bam is turning it over like crazy. Well, because they don't, they're not playing a point guard. And so to your last night, they bring their point guard, Goran Dragic, off the bench, and he saves the game and wins the game for them and stabilizes the offense. I just wonder if the Dragic starting— I think Spo is playing the long game, to your point, and I think that's smart. I just think that's an interesting thing to monitor amid all of this uh, with Miami. But but look, it's it, again, these are hard, hard decisions. I mean, you, you, either either route has a certain appeal for all these teams. Can we go back to Toronto for a second? Yeah. Um, two things on Toronto. Number one, my lukewarm take is I wonder, actually don't think this is true really from what I've heard, but I wonder if if Houston would prefer Anunoby to Siakam. Now Anunoby should be poison pilled for a while, right? Can he be traded by can he be traded? I don't think he can be uh, traded by the deadline. I have to ask Bobby that. Yeah, um, I, I don't I think it's hard. Um, I think it's hard. That's my lo- I don't think I don't think they're trading Anunoby anyway. No, nor do I. The second thing is on Toronto's 0-3 start, again in terms of obvious things that you're gonna have to remind yourself about this strange season. They're playing in Tampa Bay, and and that sounds like who cares, but every player and member of the coaching staff, the guys who have to grind day-to-day to try to win games against teams that are going there trying to take their throats, are dealing with stressful logistical issues of, do I pull my kids out of school? Do I want my? Can we set up a house for for my family if they're coming down here? Where's the house going to be? Can my kids come to the practice facility and play basketball? Can they not? Does that violate the protocols? Should I leave my kids home in Toronto and so that they can stay in school? And you know this when, when your brain when you're in a, in a competitive job like that and twenty percent of your brain is thinking about legitimately stressful family issues, 
this is a really weird situation for a team that was in the bubble for a long time. Seven-game heartbreaker to Boston. They come home. They're the only team that plays in a foreign country. And now they have to play in Tampa Bay. That I, I, I don't know how to quantify it, but that has to be that has to take a toll at some point. Completely. Uh, I guess the only comparison would be the Katrina year. Um, you know, they were, those teams were sort of splitting, uh, the Oklahoma city, they were, uh, the, I guess they were the Hornets. Then they were splitting between new Oklahoma city and new Orleans, or did they play one whole year in Oklahoma city? I think they played the did whole they year. Get... They were known colloquially as Nooch, the new Orleans, Oklahoma city Hornets or something. Yeah. Um, I think they played one year totally in Oklahoma city. Then the next year they split. Um, uh, I remember I was there. I had just happened to be in town the night, um, George Shin, the owner, announced in Oklahoma City that they were going to go back to New Orleans the next year, and uh, you know everybody understood why. But it was it was it, they were very let down in Oklahoma City. But um, that's the only thing I can possibly compare this to, um, and even that is not quite the same because <sighs> Katrina devastated that city. But they're but they were somewhat able to lead normal lives in Oklahoma City. Like it wasn't quite the same scenario. So um, I agree. You know, I actually was I went to a basketball game at that Tampa Arena once that didn't actually take place. The Miami Heat, my first year covering the Heat, were supposed to play the Magic in a uh, in an, in a preseason game there, and the the ice underneath the floor seeped up into the court and they had to cancel the game. I <laughs> um, uh, so I think I know about that arena. I was in it for an hour and a half until they canceled the game. Um, I don't know what to say. Like, yeah. Although uh, it has been pointed out that um, Tampa is known for its strip clubs. Oh boy. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream. Your team. Call 1 800 Direct TV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts, 122 million for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Um, let's let's transition from there to the Celtics. Um, Jalen Brown, absolutely. He's averaging like 30 a game, shooting well from everywhere. Uh, his assist percentage is up to almost 20% with a very low turnover rate. So he's, his playmaking is inching, not, not even inching, maybe metering forward. Um, he's taking more you know, mid-rangers, which is fine. He's making them. He would presumably be the centerpiece of any Harden trade for Boston. People have even said Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, which is two of your four best players. And if that yeah. if that's the case, okay, let's just say that's the case. And that limits the draft equity I have to put in if I'm Boston because I'm trading you two really good players, including a guy who looks like he's going to make the all-star team. That leaves me with Jason Tatum, James Harden, Kemba Walker, who, by the way, hasn't played and it doesn't seem very clear when he's going to play. Um, and then the depth for Boston, to me, is not at the same win now, right now, in these two years, right freaking now level as the other teams we've talked about. You've got Grant Williams, Time Lord, Tristan Thompson, Tice, like too many bigs. Langford, you know, Peyton Pritchard looks good. Teague is what he is. Ojale. 
I don't have the same confidence in three to nine for Boston as I would for Miami. I don't have the same confidence in three to nine for Boston. Well, I don't have right now. I don't have the confidence. Right. And so to me, Uh, or even Brooklyn, which we haven't even talked about yet, is his preferred destination. So that one, that one, that's a tougher one. That again, if I'm handicapping it, I I don't. I I I have some insight into it, but that one seems unlikely to me because I just don't know if I've got enough, especially with Kemba's knee being bulky. I just don't know if I have enough to sacrifice that kind of future equity. I don't know. Uh, Boston doesn't make trades like this, really. So, uh, I mean, they're in there because they've talked, and uh, I think they fit the – again, they fit the bill. They have two really good players. Kemba, you know, Kemba I run hot and cold on. I, I, I want Kemba on my team. I just don't – he can't be my best player, which he isn't there. Um, you, they fit the bill of we've got two good players, we've got a good team. I don't think they're a great team, but Boston, Danny Ainge doesn't make these kind of trades. He's he's well known for dancing around. Like I remember, I was talking to a team recently. Um, they had a they. I I have to be careful. I don't want to narrow this too too much, but they had a player who was a a pretty a, a high level player sub all-star a high level player though who actually subsequently did get traded and boston called them on and off for six months about this player and never made an offer just kind of danced around never made an offer and this is like what happened i remember with paul george like you know boston was tied to it tied to it tied to it and it was like but they never made an offer you know and then anthony davis i don't know if they actually made an offer for Anthony Davis, but when it, when the time came down to it, they, they didn't, they just didn't do it. This is just not what Danny Ainge does. He, you know, I, <clears throat> I know that, you know, he has made a couple of, you know, he did make the, you know, the false Tatum trade and, you know, he, he traded away, you know, the Garnett uh, Pierce deal. So I real I realize that it's like, he's never made a big trade, but they dance around and, and don't pull the trigger. And um, so I don't really consider them a serious, well, again, it, it, look, if Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going to be eight-time All-Stars in the Eastern Conference, I think some of those decisions will be at least partially vindicated. And um, you're with Kawhi, who that was the one to me that if you go all in for a year, that's that was the guy. Um, PG, AD, you had to ask yourself if you're Boston – are these guys staying here? And that goes back to what I said before. The teams who give up everything know on some level or are 95% know, knowable that those guys are staying. Even Drew Holiday. Like, what's the day Drew Holiday gets an extension? I don't know what it's in. February, it's like February 20. Okay, so if we get to March 1st and Drew Holiday hasn't gotten an extension yet, I'm going to be surprised. Like, you just don't, yeah. you know, he's going to stay in Milwaukee. That's what's going to happen. But here's the thing I think has to be pointed out. I, we obviously can't see the future. Once James Harden gets traded somewhere, who's the next? Who's the guy who's going to be available? Oh, there'll be a guy. Maybe be well, maybe Bradley Beal. Yeah, Beal is the obvious one, right? But like, this has to play into your arithmetic, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, they, all these guys just extended their contracts. It's true. It's true. Um, you know, if he doesn't go to Philadelphia, then maybe Simmons or something like that. Who knows? I mean, it get, yeah, you don't know. You know, people will keep an eye on Minnesota um, for a long time now. There, there's always going to be something. You can make an argument that Minnesota should trade for James Harden. Well, there are my my two Cinderella teams are Minnesota and New Orleans um, because New Orleans has Ingram and all the all the draft picks that they've accumulated from all around the league. And Minnesota has a pretty ready-made package to me and Russell. Plus again, they owe the pick to the Warriors, which hurts, but Russell and some young words and you know, whatever, they've got a lot of stuff that they can throw And Gerson. is obviously James pretty well. James and Carl is, is you're going to have a prolific offense. You might not 
you might be a bottom five defense, but you're going to be a pretty damn prolific. They're offense. bottom five defense anyway. Well, and and, and so is and, and and Denver's defense has been bad so far. Toronto's defense has been great. Their offense has been abysmal. But again, it's early. They're last in offense and top six in defense. Um, so you know these are, but those are my Cinderella teams. I just don't, I don't, I don't. The vibes I get are not of that nature. You know what I mean? They 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 seem both pretty unlikely to me i uh minnesota is kind of hamstrung first off uh, towns and uh and russell are, are such are so are so close friends i would say what well, they're close friends but are they are they a winning team that's what i'd say um and secondly that you know the team is for sale oh yeah the perpetual <clears throat> so, minnesota timberwolf sale the never-ending minnesota timberwolf sale we're going to be talking about this in 2025. I don't know. Is Glenn going to do it? I mean, I mean, I just, it just, it complicates trading for a guy with 90 million on his contract. Uh, does that, how does that affect uh, the sale? I mean, actually, it probably boosts it because you might actually get some people in that building uh, when it reopens. But, um, but, you know, I, I could sit here again, I could get the whiteboard out and, Explain why it makes sense for Minnesota. Oh, there's no question. And and New Orleans too. But I just, I think New Orleans seems to be taking a slower approach to it. I'm not sure how pumped Zion would be about about James coming in. I don't know. I bet, but by, by me saying I'm not sure, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, the one team we haven't talked about is Brooklyn. And yeah, it could be that Raphael Stone just doesn't, doesn't care, doesn't want any of their players. And if you that's the thing, I, I honestly think if Brooklyn would, ha- it would, it would take like four first round picks. I actually think that Brooklyn would probably have to take Karis Levert and Jared Allen or whomever and go get stuff for Houston because I just don't, I, I don't think that that's the type of player, you know, because other teams we talked about, you know, Hero. Porter, um, Brown, Siakam, whatever Brown. you think of Siakam, Siakam. And, or in an OB. Yeah. yeah um, you know, I think those, I don't think that, you know, even if you go like to Minnesota, you talk about Edwards or something, it's not the same. It's not the same as, uh, as what Brooklyn can offer. But maybe so. it depends what you think of Levert and, and maybe they don't like Levert and, and, I, I think Karis is pretty good and this is going to be a big year for if he can get better than pretty good. But I, I don't, He's a much different player than Anunoby. Obviously, uh, on on a on a championship team, they would play much different roles. But uh, OG is easier to fit. And I think OG is going to have a monster year. Um, and and just a, a three and D when you can guard fours and has a little scoring juice to him is so. Look look at what Mikael Bridges is doing in Phoenix. He's averaging like sixteen a game. He's hunting the rim. He looks great. Those guys are so valuable. Uh, but, you know, look, if it's Levert, Dinwiddie, who people would still value his bird rights, I think, despite the injury, Allen, and all the picks, it's all the picks. All the picks. I, I, I think, I honestly think they'd ask for, in that package, I think they'd honestly ask for four firsts. And, and that, and, and again. Because, because swaps are, because swaps have limited value as you're looking at the next few years. With, you would think. You, know, you got that. Team. You would think. And and again, you'll hear people say it's James Harden. Of course, you empty the cupboard for James Harden, and you're left with Harden, Durant, Irving, Joe Harris, Bruce Brown, Luau Cabro, Torian Prince, DJ, maybe Shamit if you can hold on to Shamit, Jeff Green. That's a workable nine man. Wrote Claxton. Yeah, maybe you keep Claxton. I, again, That's workable in the East. In the Eastern Conference, where I don't know who's going to win it, that team all of a sudden says, "Here we are. You're, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna have a, t- you're gonna have a hard time taking four out of seven off us." That's a better team, I think. Although stylistically, we would have to answer some questions. Um, Kyrie would be marginalized a little bit to some degree, so maybe it's a no go from from that perspective. Maybe he and KD are, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe just don't want to do it. But that's a that's still. You've exchanged your future for a present-day superstar and chipped away at your depth to some degree. Obviously, Dinwiddie's injury is already doing that, and so maybe that means less, maybe it means more. But you're you're better now. Are, are, your championship equity is X percent higher now. Is that percentage big enough to justify all the picks and all the swaps? Or do you think you look at your team right now, we could win the East now? And, and, and to some degree, that will depend on... Well, right now, when you hear Durant and Kyrie, you know, 
talk about each other in sonnets. <laughs> um, you know, I I don't I don't know if that gets ratified by those two guys right now. Can because... I can I just preemptively Seven Eleven? I'm out on Seven Eleven. We can't <laughs> we can't we can't be. God bless Iron Eagle. He's the best. He he made a big he, he, he made a big gulp joke last night when they combined on some yes. play, and I and I chuckled and I said. That's about the best that Iron Eagle is going to be able to do with 7-Eleven. We got to do better than this. By the way, it is no offense to any other broadcast teams because I know a lot of these guys and I like them. But when you watch Yes and MSG and you get Iron Eagle and Mike Breen and all, you know also Walt and Sarah, um, Ian and Mike Breen are just treasures. Are just treasures. And and, and you know our buddy Mark Jones is. Um, is is getting rave reviews I lo- in Sacramento. I was watching the Kings the other night. He was fantastic. He had a couple of lines <laughs> that had me really, really laughing. He, Mark Jones is really, really good. Um, rake and take. Uh, That's one of his things. The rake and take. I love that. Uh, he's got. He's he's you know he's great. But uh, you know, Ian is. He's a treasure. <laughs> he's a treasure. Um. But uh, yes, and and I'll be watching like any like everybody else. I'll be watching yes more this year than I have in recent years. But uh, good for those. But but after the game last night, you know uh, Durant is the post game interview, and you know Durant was awesome in the game. I mean he just, uh, I mean he just cooked. Every, I mean the, you say what you will about the Hawks offensively, defensively they got problems and. I mean, the, the times that John Collins was on, like, look, I know we're talking about a historically great score here. I'm not saying that, but like some of the stuff that Durant did to John Collins in this game, and he also, you know, he cooked everybody. He cooked everybody who was in front of him. But Durant was so awesome. They go to t- to do the post-game interview with Durant, and Durant spends five minutes basically singing the praises of Kyrie. We had 17 in the fourth quarter after a, a grapple yeah. of first three quarters. Look sensational yeah. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, those two are very much in their wonderful honeymoon phase right now. And who knows if that lasts, uh, you know, I could see them saying, don't even take any calls from Houston. Forget about it. And and right now, the funny thing is right now, I look at all these teams we listed, every single one of them, every single one of them, except for Philly and say, it, it appears unlikely to very unlikely, like in, on an individual case by case basis to me, the risk-averse portion of their front offices and their coaching staffs and their ownership groups right now prevails in all of those situations. And it's very strange because this is James Harden. Philly's got the easiest trade to make, so I, I don't quite know where they're going to be at when it comes when it comes to it. But But to your point in the story, you take all of these teams who I just said right now I think would be unlikely to very unlikely at least one or two of them are going to have a meeting at some point. Look at their whiteboards. Look at their depth chart post Harden, and look at the look at it and say, "That's pretty good." Like that's 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 you know what I didn't I, like. Those are nine NBA players. Three of them are studs. Like we we need a like maybe maybe that meeting doesn't get them to pull the trigger all the way. But a, a couple of these teams, I, I agree with you. I, I just think it's going to get more serious at some point. You, you look at the dashboard, and, and I just see the green lights. And I mean, I could even argue. I mean, I could go all the way down. The, like your point about you need to have a, you need to have a, a championship level team after Harden is acquired. I agree with that. That is good, prudent thinking. But there are even teams on the periphery of the playoffs who might talk themselves into it, like. I could see the Cavs trying here. If the Cavs trade for James Harden, I will. I don't know. I don't. What's a fun thing to do? Include I go to Dan Gilbert's crappy casino and like gamble a thousand dollars on red or something. I don't know. What what should I do? I just I will fall off my chair, drive to Cleveland, and then put a thousand bucks on red, and and then and then try to expense it if I lose. Uh, I'm just saying, like, uh, I could sit here and present the case to you. Well, okay, present it because I don't, I don't, I have not thought for because one when, second when, about it. So present it to me. 
Because when is Cleveland getting another player? When is Cleveland getting a player like Look, that? Look, all Cleveland has to do to get a player like that is wait for someone for to be born in the 30-mile vicinity of Cleveland. <laughs> That's right. And then get it's that player in the way. draft lottery. That's all you have to do. And then, it's gonna be a long and then way. wait for that player to want to come back because he wants to win a championship. That's all. Thank you for making my point. So what's the Thank deal? You every my every point. all sex land both have to go? Yeah. Where are they? I mean, like, where are they going with those guys? To Sexland, straight to Sexland, wherever that and is. And go ahead, give them, you know, give them picks. And so he you comes, and, and you have what? James Harden, Kevin Love, and Andre Drummond. Maybe Drummond has to. Maybe one of them has to go in the deal. But yeah, that's what you got. What? What? what I mean, like, I know you're laughing, and people are laughing out there. When is Cleveland going to get a guy? How do you get a guy? That, if you're in Cleveland, how do you get a guy like James Harden? How do you get him? Are they making the playoffs this year? No. Are they making the playoffs next year? Probably not. Did they make the playoffs the last two years? I don't think so. Are they going to be able to get Bradley Beal in free agency? Uh, no. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like this, this, you mean these are these are things it, you get them in the door and you see what happens. I get it. It's not crazy. I just like I, I you know when Chris Paul was available a year ago. Cleveland, either 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 they made an offer or they were seriously thinking about making an offer, because this is what you have to do in a place like Cleveland to get a player like that. Well, this has really been a delightful late podcast plot twist. I I, I love. <laughs> I'm this. Just, like, I'm not saying that that's like I'm not saying it's a real thing. I'm just telling you that I could sit here and explain to you why I could see them doing now it. I'm going to get off and I'm going to start making fake Detroit Pistons trades for James Harden. This is what you've done to my day now. Like, I guess maybe I've overlooked. The Chicago Bulls should think about it. Oh my what, God. What do the Chicago Bulls have going for so them? So James right Harden's going to get there and be like, okay, my four best teammates, if I want to win, it's me, Kobe White. It's not up to James Jordan Harden. Jordan statue outside. It's not Billy up to James Donovan. Harden. And Arturus Carsonovas. It's not. I mean, I don't see Arturus making that trade. Don't get me wrong. I'm just telling you. When's Chicago going to get a when's, – when's the last time Chicago had a player like that? Um, Michael Jordan. Well, they had, or I guess yeah. Derrick Rose. Well, he was well, the MVP. Wait, wait a second now. They had Jimmy Butler. And in one of the ultimate fork-in-the-road moments of the last five to ten years in the NBA, they decided – They had Derrick. They decided we don't want Jimmy Butler anymore. Um, and – the trade return I'm, from I'm that not, has not panned out. You're you're right. I'm just saying, like, you can't you can't find these guys, and there's a whole bunch of guys just mired. There's a whole bunch of these teams mired in muck. Mired, this is the way out of the muck. mired in muck. That could be a team's slogan uh, one year. Remember Joe Johnson said the Nets, "It's not that bad here." That was and that that, that became my unofficial <laughs> the, slogan for them. That's the new Detroit Pistons slogan. All right, Wendy, uh, you got any exciting New Year's Eve plans? No. How could you possibly no, have? There them? are no exciting New Year's Eve plans. Uh, well, uh, Happy New Year. Um, twenty twenty right. is over. Read the piece on ESPN Plus, Mister Windhorse. It's always good to see your face. Thanks for making some time. And uh, thanks for having me. I'll Zach. see you soon. Talk to you soon. Yep. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.